0: Great music. Praise the Lord. And we want to continue our interest in God's grace and God's goodness and His love. We've been talking about love notes to God this uh, month of February. We talked about love, God's love last. And then we talked about God's love is sacrificial. Today I want to talk about God's love that forgives. God's love does that. I have on the stage kind of an empty uh, light bulb. You might can see it from back there. Um, But I want to talk to you about the light bulb. Thomas Edison... Uh, was working on a crazy contraption called the light bulb. And it took a whole team of men 24 straight hours just to put one together. And as he put it together, he finished the first light bulb. He gave it to a young boy, a helper in his studio there, who nervously carried it up the stairs step by step, step by step. And you probably have already guessed what happened. He dropped it. That which took 24 hours to make, he dropped it. They waited a while and then they put together the team again and for 24 hours straight, they put together another light bulb. And He got it finished, he held it up and he handed it to the boy that dropped it and said, "Carried it up. That is forgiveness. Because some of us need that kind of forgiveness in life. Someone who believes in us even though we disappointed them. Believes in us even though we failed them. Believers are carriers of the light. Jesus says, you're the light of the world. But if we're honest, all of us have dropped the bulb We no longer go to church like we used to. We don't give to the church and support the church. We don't share our faith. We don't read our Bible. And we don't even pray unless there's some problem in our life. We've dropped the light. I have good news for you. If you've dropped the light here this morning, Jesus still wants you to. God still wants you to carry his light. Here's what the Bible says in Psalm 103. I've cast your sins as far as the east to the west. In Micah chapter 7, it says this, and I've buried your sins in the deepest sea. Our God is a God of forgiveness. God is a forgiving God. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 25 says this, I will sweep away your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. What kind of God loves people like that? I want you to see the love note today. You'll see it on the screen. And the love note is this. God says to us, my love does not keep a record of wrongs. God does not keep records. Now you're going to say, well, you are made a mistake. God remembers our sins. He knows every sin. Yes, He does. But here's the promise. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sins. God has the power to forget. God has the power to forgive. We don't. We don't. I don't. But I want you to see what is modeled before us as a loving God. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is a key chapter about love, and most people think, how can you work in a sermon about forgiveness in 1 Corinthians 13? Well, look in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 13, I'll show you. Well, I'll do my best to show you. (laughs) Chapter 13, I want you to see it. Look at verse 4. It says that, you see it on the screen. It's what it says about God's love, God's powerful love. God says this, love is patient. This is God modeling this. This is really about Paul's words to the Corinthians telling them, but would God put something in Scripture that he couldn't keep? That's my question. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envy. Love is not boastful or arrogant. Love is not rude, not self-seeking, is not irritable. And love does not keep a record of wrongs. How does God forgive and forget our sins? I want to just talk to you about three brief things about how God forgives and forgets. First of all, he's able to forgive and forget because God is patient. I'm not. I, we go to Luby's once a month. We're going to, to go there Tuesday. If we get there late and the line's long, I'm going, I'm going to have a heart attack. I've got to wait for my mashed potatoes. <laughs> Love is patient. But the Corinthian people were not patient. They were very impatient. In fact, they got out of line and got ahead of things when they are taking the Lord's Supper. And when they took communion, You know, Paul had to correct them because they didn't do it right. And God said, get back on God's page. Don't look at your time. Go look on God's timing. They were very impatient with each other. And God says, I don't want you to have that conflict. Be patient with people. We need to be patient. Chapter 13 says that love is patient. God's our model. And I want to just share with you three examples of his patience in Scripture. First, he was patient with Philip the apostle. Philip was there walking with Jesus and Jesus talking about who he is and and all his mission and talking about the love of God and salvation. He's healing people and touching people and changing their life. And so so Philip gets impatient. And here's what Philip says. He says in John chapter 14, he says, Hey, show us the Father. In, In other words, what he was saying was, Enough about you, Jesus. We want to see God. I want you to see Jesus' patient response. He said, Philip... The one who's seen me has seen the Father. And I have in my mind that he didn't say it with anger. He simply said it as fact to comfort him. Then he said this, believe me, Philip, I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me. And then he repeats it, I and my Father are one. He was patient with Philip. He was patient with Thomas. Thomas is known as a doubter. Anybody, have you ever been doubting? Let me, say, let me say something. Doubt sometimes puts people on the sidelines. It puts people on the bench. It takes people out of the pew. It puts people out of Christian service because we doubt God's reality. It makes us want to give up and quit. And Thomas was doubting. And he says to his friends there in John chapter 20, Hey, I know you believe in this resurrected Savior business. I know you believe in Jesus lives. But I'm not going to believe until I see and I touch him. And Jesus shows up in John chapter 20. In verse 27, he says this, Come close, Thomas. Touch my wounds. And i got to tell you that many of us here this morning, we need a second touch. We remember when we were saved, and then we drift into that sea of doubt. May God give each person in this room a second touch that knows that Jesus is in you, and Jesus is alive. Jesus says this to Thomas, Touch my wounds. Then he gives him a command. And the Greek Nature, texture of this verse is a command. Thomas, and it said sternly, stop, Thomas, stop doubting and believe. It's much like a parent say, now get your attitude right, stop doubting and believe. And wouldn't that be a good message for the average church today where 50% of the people show up sometimes at church? Don't you think God should just spread that word and should we not spread that word that God would spread it and speak to the people who are sitting home should be serving God? Stop doubting and believe. Get back with it. Get back with it. He was patient with Peter. In Luke chapter 22, Peter denied Christ. In the temple, they asked him, don't you, aren't you one of his followers? He said, I don't know the man. I don't know who you're talking about. He denied. But the later on in John chapter 21, the Bible says that Jesus confronted Peter. And here's what he said to the one who denied him. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And I asked you that question. Do you really love Jesus this morning? Do you really love him? I'm so glad for patient people in life. I'm glad that God is patient. I read this story about a patient teacher who was helping one of her kindergarten students put on his boots. And he asked for help, and she could see why. With pulling and pushing, the boots just didn't want to go go on. And finally, when the second boot was finally on, she worked up a sweat. She almost whimpered when the little boy said, Teacher, they're on the wrong feet. She looked, and sure enough, they were on the wrong feet. It wasn't any easier pulling the boots off, and was putting them on. And then, as uh, as they as they got them off, she said, "Teacher, and put them back on the new boots, the new way." She said, "Teacher, these aren't my boots." <laughs> she struggled, biting her tongue at the at, at whose boots. And finally, as she's just trying to get over it, trying to pull the ill-fitting boots off, he says, "Teacher, these are my brother's boots." And he says to her, "My mom made me wear them today." She said she didn't know whether to laugh or cry, so she mustered up the grace to wrestle the boots on his feet again, the right feet, and then she gets them on, and then she says to the young student, Now, where are your mittens? He said, I stuffed them in the toes of these boots. (laughs) And off they came, retrieved the mittens, and put them back on right. We're like that little child spiritually. We give God a hard time. But I'm glad to tell you, if you're here this morning and you're worried about how God feels about you, he's patient. He gives you some slack. He lets you go. The second thing that we see about God's forgiveness is that forgiving God is a kind God. Verse 4 says, love is kind. All week long I've been singing this song. Let me get a little bit of it out. In loving kindness, Jesus came, my soul in mercy to reclaim. And from the depths of sin and shame, through grace he lifted me. From sinking sand, with tender hand. From shades of night to plains of light, oh praise his name. That's a kind God. He lifts us up. He knows when we sink. Do you have trouble being kind? Let's just try, try, God models this in his life. He put it in the scripture and he says for us to be kind. Do we have trouble being kind? We shouldn't, but we do. In fact, if I were to ask everybody this question, if you were to ask me the question, Jerry, do you have, Pastor Jerry, do you have trouble being kind? I'm saying sometimes. That depends. It depends on who. <laughs> it depends on when. I'm really not kind till I have my morning caffeine, Dr. Pepper. But sometimes I am kind. Sometimes it's a kind day, but most of the time I'm kind, but some days are not. Sometimes I go down these roads see these people that are just, well, there's a Greek word for the people that drive in this city. Here it is, idiots. (laughs) Most of them are behind me. Somebody pulled out in front of me this week, and I used that Greek word under my breath, and they jerked the car out in front of me, and I had to completely go two lanes over to miss them and didn't even look. In God's grace, I didn't hear anybody else, but I thought, I'm not going to say it, lady. <laughs> I kept my kindness to myself. <laughs> Scripture says in Ephesians 4:32, "Be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ has forgiven you. Kindness sponsors a tender heart. A tender heart sponsors forgiveness. Face it, we will never forgive if we are not kind. Beginning this week starts tomorrow if my dates are right. Uh, It's the random act of kindness week. Practice that. Do something nice for somebody. But let me just say this. The celebration of this week and the the creation of that thing by mankind is nothing new to God, but but God is different. God's kindness is not random. He loves you. He loves the world. Let me give you some examples of kindness. He was kind to the leper. In Matthew chapter 8, the lepers were there. There was horrible disease of the day. It was the the worst thing, cancer of the day. It ate up people's bones and lives, and they would lose limbs, and and they were put in leper colonies. And then one leper heard that Jesus was coming, and he gets on the edge of the territory because the the rule was that if, if a person came near a leper, a leper was supposed to raise their hand and say, Unclean, don't come near me. And surely he said that when Jesus came by in Matthew chapter 8, and nobody came near him, everybody ran, but Jesus walked near him. He was kind of the leper. He touched him. And all of us have a disease of sin that no one can do anything about. We are all unclean, but Jesus comes near. He was kind of the woman with blood disease. Twelve years she saw doctors. Nobody able to help her until the great physician shows up. And he said, as she touched him, he said, Daughter, your faith has, made you, has saved you. Go in peace. He was kind of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector some of the most hated people of Jesus' day because they were ripping people off. And Jesus sees the tax collector up a tree, and he finds most of us up a tree. We're in trouble. And he sees the tax collector and says, Zacchaeus, we can sing a song about this, Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm going home with you today. The kindness of God created kindness in Zacchaeus because at the middle and the end of that story, Zacchaeus says, let me pay everybody back. I've ripped off. A kind spirit was sponsored. German philosopher Nietzsche, Frederick Nietzsche was just a terrible influence. He was one who influenced Hitler, Adolf Hitler. And he looked at the Christian world Nietzsche did and said the Christian world of Christianity strips strong men of their power because Christianity encourages people to be kind. They spend their energy trying to make, take care of the weak and the feeble and oppressed. And Nietzsche said this if we could rid the world of Christianity, we could develop supermen. Let me say this Nietzsche and Hitler, they're all wrong. The Bible answer for this world is to be you kind one to another. God's love is kind, and we should be kind. The third lesson is this God's love is forgiving. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. And the message, Gene Peterson's message translation says this, God doesn't keep score of the sin of others. Boy, I do. I got a little black book. Not really. It's in my mind. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 says this, that if you forgive men of their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. I know that there's a, there's a really twisted theology. for Many people twist that up and get it confused. It basically said this, that God expects you to do for others what he has done for you. That's what it says. And then if you can't do something for others, then it means that maybe there's something wrong between your knowledge of his forgiveness that you've got to practice that grace again. By the way, psychology can reveal the cause of man's guilt and sin, but only God can offer a cure. This morning, let's celebrate God's love and forgiveness. Look at the examples. God's love forgiving the sinful woman. Everybody wanted to throw rocks at her, stone her. And Jesus said, as he wrote on the ground, where are your stones? And he asked the lady, where are your accusers? And then Jesus said to her, of one of the most sinful ladies that exists in scripture, Jesus approached her and says this, neither do I, condemn thee, go and sin no more. We have to recognize, folks, in our life that we've got to be forgiving to people. We've got to practice that with our life. Secondly, with another example, God's love forgives, forgave the, the, those who crucified him. And Jesus on the cross, Luke 23, check it out, verse 34. As Jesus was suffering there on the cross, about to very near death... He looked at the people that beat him, put straps on his back. He looked at the people, put the crown on his head. He looked at the people that put all the pain and punishment and denial and doubt. All that heaped on him. He looked at all the people and he said this prayer on the cross as he was dying by those who crucified. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I would submit to you, many people who have heard us really don't know what they're doing. God's love forgives, forgave the thief on the cross. There are two thieves. One insulted Jesus and one invited Jesus into his life. He went to Jesus and said, Jesus, will you remember me when I come to my kingdom? And Jesus said, today you'll be with me. God's love is forgiving. There's a great statement by Greg Lowry. He says, we should not choose to remember what God has chosen to forget. We need to get that. God's love is patient. God's love is kind. God's love is forgiving. A small boy prayed this prayer. It goes like this. Lord, dear Lord, Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are dead set against us. (laughs) The fact is God's love will forgive everybody even those who are dead set against him. You say, can you prove that? Yes. Acts chapter 9. Paul the one who punished the early church, who denied and rejected Jesus around the country there. Jesus confronted him and says, hey, you're going to go with me. You're going to follow me. And he and Paul, who did all these horrible things, including probably murder to many believers in that day, and punished people and was more harm to the early church than anybody could ever imagine. God snatched him out and says, I forgive you. Now be my champion. And I find this true. People who are forgiven a lot are loyal a lot. So Paul wrote 13 of the 27 New Testament books. God forgave him. I read this, Max Licato's writing this week, in his book, More Like Jesus. He quotes Matthew, Ephesians 4, 32, be kind and tenderhearted one another just as Christ has forgiven you. And he writes, because Jesus has forgiven us, we can forgive others. Because he lives in us, you and I can do the same. Then he says, oh, you might say to me, you can never do that, you object. The hurt is too deep. Just seeing the person makes me cringe and run. Perhaps that's the problem. And I'm preaching to myself here, folks. You're seeing too much of the wrong person. Try shifting your glance away from one who hurt you and setting your eyes on the one who saved you and forgiven you. Please understand, relationships don't thrive because the guilty are punished, but because the innocent are merciful. And we have to ask ourselves this question. Are there any relationships in our world that they're thirsty for mercy? Is there anyone who needs to be assured of your grace? Jesus made sure we can express grace and mercy because he's a forgiving God. The Bible teaches clearly that forgiveness is what God wants us to do. Again, the Bible says in Acts chapter 9, Saul, breathing out threats and murder against the disciples, was forgiven by a loving Jesus and a holy God. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, bless us as we give this invitation and the invitation is that we would seek forgiveness for our sins if we're in this room and we've never invited Christ to be our Savior. He's calling people to do that. He's calling right now. And maybe there's a second calling. He's calling on those of us in life who've had some something we can't release, something we can't let go. But help us to find true peace today. May a miracle happen among us today. May we find forgiveness by the power, by the love, by the patience, by the kindness, by the kindness, and the forgiving spirit of Jesus our Savior. This is our prayer we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand? Will you come as God leads you?